welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker, and this week it's Deep and Dark Thoughts with Lisa Jo and Christy. (laughs) Seriously, don't be scared off. This is a conversation that starts with an epiphany I had in the bathtub and ends up being about a hero from my childhood. And really, it's about how you, listeners of ours, can also face the shadows that are lurking around grown-up corners, too. Yeah, this is the one in which we share all of the deep thoughts and so many favorite books. I mean, how often does Lisa Joe order a book online, like book shopping, while we are recording? So get comfy, friends. Here we go. So I had a had an epiphany in the bathtub oh. <laughs> that I wanted to share with you. <laughs> I knew you had Can an epiphany. I didn't I didn't know it was in the bathtub. <laughs> That's where all mom epiphanies happen is bathtub or shower. Let's just be honest. (laughs) Yes, I was in the bathtub and I was proud of myself because I had taken a book with me and not my phone, which I confess sometimes I lie there and scroll like funny memes and reels that I send to my teenagers. But uh, I had a book with me and I was feeling a bit sentimental. So it's a book from my childhood from my mom's bookshelf. I have a collection of books I have actually brought across the ocean with me. They live on my blue bookshelves now and they are hers. So I have this book. I was actually looking last night to see what edition it is because I think it's it has to be one of the very early ones. So mm-hmm. this is actually from 1968. Mm-hmm. It is by Ursula Le Guin and it is the book called A Wizard of Earthsea. Which, because Chrissy is one of my dearest friends, I'm so proud. Of course, she's familiar with. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, uh, the, you know, this is the original Harry Potter. Honestly, that's mm-hmm. what these books are. She, Ursula Le Guin, famous American author. She is well known for creating these other worlds, these fantasy worlds. But in this world, there is an actual school for wizards on an island called Roke. And it is the story of a young boy who discovers he has powers. Does it sound familiar? And there's a mentor who comes to get him and is in and out of his life over the years as he comes into his powers. And so I've often wondered, like I've never heard J.K. Rowling or or anyone else really make the connection back to the Le Guin series, which is always surprising to me because she's like the first one who did it. Mm-hmm. I bet if we Googled it, we'd find some Something on that. I don't know. I think of I think of her as one of the 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 titans of that fantasy genre. I think Titan is a great word. I like that. So as I was lying in the bathtub, I started reading it and thought to myself, started rereading it. I've read it many times. I started rereading it and then of course I cheated and jumped forward to some of my favorite scenes. And as I was reading one of these scenes about this boy wizard hero who confronts something difficult and painful. And he is its so heroic. I remember so well growing up in South Africa, reading this book and just sort of that, that longing. I really believe we all have in us this longing to be brave like that, to be a hero, to, to do something worthy of a story, to face your demons and your darkness and to battle them and overcome. And I've often thought, man, you know, books are so amazing. I go into books to have that experience because in my real life, 
I'm lying in the bathtub because my back hurts because I tried to go to the gym and I'm old. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's the reality, right? So that's the scene. So I'm in the tub. I'm reading this really pivotal moment, the scene. And as I'm reading, Christy, I am having this epiphany where at 50, I realize, well, I'm not 50 yet, right? I should give myself the, the eight months still. But at nearly 50, I have this moment where I think to myself, done that too. Like, I did it. Like what they're describing, I, oh my gosh. And I like sit up, hold the book, reread the passage and start crying in the bathtub as I realize that in our ordinary lives where our backs hurt and our children are frustrating and we forget to buy milk before the snow, (laughs) we are writing hero stories. So I wanted to read the passage and then invite our listeners into recognizing that you may not be aware that you too (laughs) have become the hero unknowingly of a story because of being willing to do what's described in this passage. Mm-hmm. So here's the setup. Young wizard, he's trying to prove himself. Shockingly, he gets taunted at wizard school by another up-and-coming young wizard to, to sort of perform above his grade level to show how mighty he is. And in casting this incredibly powerful, true, they call it the true magic, which means to change something in the universe, to interfere with the entire back arc story of the universe. In so doing, he rips part of the universe and allows some dark and evil thing into the world. They call it the shadow. And The arc of the story is how this shadow then starts pursuing this wizard whose name is Ged. And it chases him. I'm actually like taking off my coat if you hear noise now (laughs) because I'm starting to sweat with like adrenaline excitement (laughs) as I talk about this. But it chases him across the world, across the known world, trying to kill him, this thing that he has released into the world. And he's trying to outrun it and twice it nearly kills him. And he finally makes it home to his, his, the master who has trained him and named him and loves him. And he's describing to this master mage, as they call them, how he cannot outrun this thing. And this thing is going to kill him. The shadow is going to kill him. What should I do? Right? That's the question we all have. What do I do when there's a darkness pursuing me? And then this is the answer that's so wonderful. His master says to him, It is a hard thing I have to say to you. You must turn around. Turn around, says Ged. Yes, if you go ahead, if you keep running, wherever you run, you will meet danger and evil, for it drives you. It chooses the way you go. You must choose. You must seek what seeks you. You must hunt the hunter. Ged said nothing. At the spring of the river, I named you, the mage said, a stream that falls from the mountain to the sea. A man would know the end he goes to, but he cannot know it if he does not turn and return to his beginning and hold that beginning in his being. If he would not be a stick whirled and whelmed in the stream, he must be the stream itself, all of it, 
from its spring to its sinking in the sea. You return to Gaunt, you return to me, Ged, now. Turn clear round and seek the very source, and that which lies before the source. There lies your hope of strength. And I literally sat up in the tub and started crying and was like, wait, wait. I, I, I did that. Like I, that is what I did. I turned around and I hunted the thing, the dark, scary thing that felt like it has hunted me most of my life. I hunted it by going into my memories and into my story and into my family and facing it, this thing that our family doesn't talk about. And I wrote it down in a book and the writing required me to face it to face my dad, to face my brothers, together to face the thing that we all just, I think, spent a lot of years trying to ignore or pretend wasn't there or outrun through moving countries. I literally like (laughs) left the country of the dark thing that I was trying to get away from, came to a new country, got married, had children, had a career, all trying not to ever face the thing. Mm-hmm. But when my agent talked to me about writing a book about South Africa, I was like, I will never, I have nothing to say. I will never write about it. And here we are five years after I told that to her and this mm-hmm. book will come out May 7th. And I sat up in the tub and I was like, I am good. <laughs> I did it. I went back to the beginning. I faced the dark thing. I fought it. And uh, that felt so meaningful to me that I said to Christy, that has to resonate with the listeners, not because you've written a book, Mm -hmm. but because you who are listening know in your own life what the thing is that you don't want to have to face. And maybe you're you're still in that years of not choosing to face it, which I understand. But maybe some of you have started to turn around and to go back to the beginning. And if so, we are here today to tell you, you are a courageous hero even if your back hurts after working out at the gym. <laughs> uh, that's so powerful um, and wild and so true. I think I first read that book. Actually, no, I don't. Okay, let me back up and say, I know I read the book start to finish like as a teenager, um, but I I realized while I was reading it that I'd had an earlier encounter with it um, because oh. without giving anything away, which you, the, what you read does not, I don't think, give anything away um, in terms of how, how um, this battle with the shadow, you know, how it goes. Um, but so I read the book and was so wrapped up in the story. It's, and you're just thinking like, what is this thing and what will happen and how will he, how will he survive? And when it came to a climactic moment and you make some discoveries, I realized I've read this before. And I remember that when I was in junior high and middle school, um, in my English class, we had a textbook, I guess. I feel like, I think this is how often they still teach English because I think like my ninth grader still reads bits and pieces like this, which kind of annoys me, but I I can see why they do it. You get, you know, you're young, you're maybe not willing to read a whole big book. And so you get exposed to lots of things. So anyway, we had a textbook that clearly had like excerpts and short stories and smaller things. And at the time we read what I thought was this really dramatic, cool, short story. I didn't realize oh. in middle school that it was part of a novel. I just that I just didn't oh, even realize. Wow. And so then you're, a couple of years later, I pick up that novel 
not realizing I have read the climax of the story in my eighth grade English textbook. Um, but it was good that I hadn't remembered because then I was just as surprised and just as wrapped up into, in it. But I thought, oh my gosh, I know this. this. I read this before. So I think it's a pretty canonical fantasy tale if it showed mm-hmm. up in my eighth grade English or yeah. seventh grade or whatever it was, you know, textbook, uh, you know, in my Texas public school way back when. Um yeah, so that's how I encountered it. And thankfully, I'd forgotten. Mm. I would have been really ticked off <laughs> that eighth grade ruined it for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it is. It's one of those stories I feel like is more rare to hear that people have heard of or heard of her. Mm. She 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 only died quite recently. Mm. I was looking her up again last night. She died in 2018. I, it's funny how when people whose words have so shaped us, we realize they're not here. It's not like I'm going to bump into her. Like in what <laughs> universe am she and I going to be in the same room? But suddenly it feels like, oh, now there's really no chance like that I'll get to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been so shaped by the story and, and, and it's, I think a reminder. I was listening to a podcast recently that was talking about how religion is just also this human attempt to to exercise control over things that are out of control mm-hmm. and how if if it helps you to feel a little bit more in control of your life to have faith then good for you mm-hmm. but it's an illusion right like the world is out of control and as i was listening to that i just wanted to push back against it all the time mm-hmm. to say no mm-hmm. because when we look at god you're right we are not in control but when you look at the stories God writes in our lives, there is order. There is a sense that even the most chaotic. So when I have this moment last night in the bathtub and I sit up and I'm so struck by the fact that God has been rewriting my story in a way that I aspired <laughs> as a small child to have a rewrite, but could never have put into words, didn't know, hadn't lived the ark yet. But that God is doing this kind of thing. He is mm-hmm. gently, tenderly over decades, taking us back to the beginnings of broken things. Mm-hmm. And then with us, like not by ourselves, not shoving us off a cliff, but like with us at our pace, helping us understand like our broken beginnings that led to where our endings are and then rewriting. I mean, that is literally the word you gave me, Christy, when two years ago I went back to South Africa. When my brothers were battling cancer and I said, I can't believe, I cannot believe I'm going back to this country of cancer. Right. And you said, yes, you are. You, God is taking you back. There must, there's a thread in the story that he is going to go and pick up like a dropped thread. Mm-hmm. And I'm just moved by that over and over that God in the chaos of our lives is constantly creating order mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's mind blowing. And, um, and it's hard when you're in those the in between and in the seasons when you can't sure, can't yes. see the order yet. But gosh, those moments where you get a glimpse of kind of like the underside of the weaving, I think mm. it's so good to hold on to those. And then I don't know, they help me trust even in all the other things where I continue to not see anything but <laughs> disorder and yes. uncertainty. Yes. You know, they they help me to trust that okay, there's there is probably more to this than I know, mm-hmm. than I see, and I may not um, get that glimpse of the order. But you know, one day, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm blown away by that order in our own lives. I'm blown away more and more the older I get um, as a reader and a book lover. 
I'm blown away by the order I see in scripture, like from beginning to end, just the uh, echoes and the the um, mm. symbolic repetitions and the images and themes yeah. that like build so much meaning across so many authors, so many centuries, mm-hmm. millennia, mm-hmm. actually, um, is incredible to me. So you see it everywhere. Um, I thought when you when you mentioned that quotation to me, it reminded me of, um, you know, something. So I don't do a lot of rereading, but something I do reread regularly is um, T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets. Mm. I love T.S. Eliot's poetry, but I especially love Four Quartets because, um, I mean, he was Anglican, uh, so he's writing from that perspective. He's writing about time and history, which that's totally my bent as well. Um, but famously, like, kind of repeated throughout the the four poems that make up these four quartets, he kind of says again and again some version of this sense that, like, um, in our end is our beginning and, and you know, um, bringing beginnings and endings together. And at the end of the poem, he says, we shall not cease from exploration. Actually, let me back up a line because this line is good. <laughs> With the drawing of this love and the voice of this calling, we shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Hmm. Oh, wow. Read that line again. To arrive where we started and to know the place for the first time. Mm-hmm. We shall wow. not cease from exploration. And the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Oh, my goodness. I have like chills. Yeah. And mm. I also, I love this one, too, because he quotes, you know, Eliot is famous for just all his, he's always, there's so many quotations and allusions, and it can be a bit much, but um, he, it's toned down a bit in four quartets. <laughs> but he quotes repeatedly Julian, St. Julian of Norwich, and so also repeated throughout is, um, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well, yes. which I also love. Yes. So yeah, just that yes. idea that, um, you know, we might think that we can escape, we might think that we can keep living forward, um, mm. and the sense that everything is cyclical in some way, I think, um, mm. you know, it's just true on this human, human level, um, but also um, just thinking spiritually, um, you know, thinking about the Christian religion, which I too am very happy to use that word. It is religion. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the part I think that we share with other people, and it makes it not just a, a private little mm-hmm. thing in our own heads. Um, yeah, but there is, I, I guess I should say as well, like, this is super scary. Like, there's lots of stuff that we don't yeah. want to go back and revisit. Um, I don't know. Like, what would you say now, Lisa Joe, having done it? I mean, would you be the person now, like I, like I was saying, yeah, go for it, go for it. I mean, because honestly, I was doing it in some naivete, right? I just was trusting and, and had faith that it was clearly God leading you. But, but I couldn't really know like what, how painful that would be or what you might encounter there. Um, so, but now you yes. know. So what would you say? <laughs> well, I, I think I couldn't have done it if I had known. So I think that actually is the gift uh, of how Christ doesn't 
show us everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think that's what Elliot is saying. And that's what Le Guin is saying. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's once you get back to the beginning that you recognize it. Mm-hmm. But thank goodness you don't know, like when you start your journey from the beginning, because mm-hmm. then you would just like be in a fetal ball most of your life. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, I mean, that is the the grace of of God's unique and eternal perspective mm-hmm. that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. So like the the grace of time is that I can only move forward in one direction, whereas he, and, and I don't even claim to understand this somehow, is omniscient. Like he's in all places, but also all time at once. Mm-hmm. He's able to inhabit all of that. But how wonderfully tender that he doesn't reveal to us unless we need to know. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny, you know, we can think of this in the big ways, the way Jesus talked about how nobody knows the hour or the time of the end. And and yet I think that applies in our lives in sort of a smaller, more daily sense, too, right? Like, I don't know what's at the end of this week. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's the end of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and that is that's a huge relief to me. So when it comes to this idea of what does it mean? to face your beginnings, I think we only see, and I actually remember you and I talking about this several years ago, how I think the Lord had given you a vision as we were talking about something we were working on together of of stepping stones, mm. that there's just like one stepping stone at a time that he reveals to you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess that's my encouragement mm-hmm. is that if you're in, and you could sense it, this tension when you're starting to navigate something and you're like, ooh, like, do I want to look directly at that or not? Mm-hmm. The gift of it is you don't have to know the end. You don't even have to know the middle. You just sort of take that next small little mm-hmm. step. And so for me, honestly, if I go back to the very beginning, like when did I start mm-hmm. circling back around to the beginning? I remember exactly where I was. It was 2019. I had been invited to come and speak at the big mom conference called MomCon, hosted by Mops, Mothers of Preschoolers. And it was in Florida. And they'd invited me to come and speak. And it was like, I was excited about it. They wanted me to speak on the main stage, which was a big deal for me. I'd never done that. There's like three, 4,000 people there. And then they asked me if I would speak on temper, on anger, which over the years before I had done like lots of workshops on like how to parent as an angry parent who struggles with temper, yada, yada. So it didn't seem like a big deal. I sort of felt like, oh, gosh, I've talked about this a lot. You know, how much more can I share? How would a crap <laughs> mom I am when it comes to my temper? And I'm standing in the bathroom. I think I was actually brushing my teeth. And as I was brushing my teeth, I paused because as much as one can imagine you hear God or the Holy Spirit communicate something to you. And so for me, it felt like a thought that dropped into my mind that was so unrelated to anything I would have chosen to think. Mm -hmm. That's why I paused because it's it was so clearly a thought from outside of myself. Mm -hmm. I stopped brushing my teeth because the thought that dropped clearly into my mind was, you need to tell the story not of what it's like to parent as an angry parent, but what it's like to grow up a child in the home of a parent with a terrible temper. That's what you need to talk about. (laughs) With my mouth, (laughs) I kid you not, my mouth is full of toothpaste. I take the toothbrush out of my mouth, look at myself in the mirror, and excuse me, but I said, hell no. Like out loud. Like I just was like, hell no. Over my dead body will I ever, what is, what? And I felt like I was going to vomit. Like the idea of it was so horrifying to me. Mm. I ignored it for a week and it just grew and grew. It was like this massive thing that 
It was like taking over my insides because I knew if I was going to do that, I knew for the first time in my adult life, and I was in my mid-40s at this point, I would have to talk to my father about it. Mm -hmm. And his temper was something we'd never talked about. Mm -hmm. I had all these experiences from my childhood that we had never Mm -hmm. once, it was like the shadow. Mm -hmm. We'd never looked at it. We just tried to run away from it. And I knew I would have to turn around. I would actually have to have a conversation with my dad. If I was going to get on the stage in front of 4,000 people and talk about some of his rage parenting and how it affected me, I would have to give him a heads up. And thankfully, our relationship is much healthier, Mm -hmm. but I felt like it was healthy because we don't talk about (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I would have to actually do what Ged is having to do, go and go find the shadow. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it will kill me. I will die. That's the feeling I had. Mm -hmm. I will absolutely die if I have to talk about this. I can't. Mm -hmm. It was so outside my realm of anything I could fathom choosing. But it's also how the Holy Spirit, I would just describe him as relentless. Mm -hmm. Like it was a relentless sense. You have to do this. And not in a pushy way, Mm -hmm. not in a walk you off a cliff, but like the rightness of it, Mm -hmm. like that this is the right thing. And it was so terrible because I was like, I feel like I'm going to vomit, but I feel like it's the right thing. I knew I couldn't talk to my dad in person about it. I was like, I don't, I don't even know how to have this conversation with him. And so I, and I immediately knew too what story I was supposed to tell. Mm -hmm. Like I knew exactly, like vividly the example I was going to use. And I just thought, Like, it's one of my most shameful, horrifying memories. Mm -hmm. I've never told anyone. Peter at that point had never heard that story. I I, I couldn't imagine standing on the stage and saying it out loud. And so I then, after like four or five days, I left my dad a voice note. I didn't tell him the story. I simply said I had been invited to speak. They wanted me to talk. And I thought I was supposed to talk about what it was like. You know, I said the thing to like Mm -hmm. grow up the child of a dad who struggled with temper And I wanted to know, would it be okay with him? I thought I was going to vomit, like, after I left the message. It was so horrifying. And I said to him, I I don't want to tell you. I actually said this. I'm not going to tell you the story that I'm going to tell (laughs) because I have actually forgiven you for it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I tell you, Mm -hmm. it's like both of us reliving that. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it between us, but I need to know, is it okay with you? Mm -hmm. So basically, I'm like... Can you write me a blank check to go and talk about what a terrible dad you were? Can you imagine getting a message like that from your child? Oh, dear. Oh, my God. I'm so terrible. And and this was just, this was the beginning of this book Mm. that my dad then responded with the most beautiful message that I actually played a clip. I got his permission, played a clip of that message on stage in front of 4,000 people to illustrate who he had become. Mm -hmm. Because he just said, I don't know if there's anything worth sharing about my story, but if there is, like you have my permission to share it so people can see how God Mm -hmm. works. And that was the beginning. And I'll never forget, like I was so terrified to get on that stage. I thought I was going to vomit. I thought I was going to pass out. Mm -hmm. I had practiced it so much. I knew the talk inside out. And I, I remember vividly There were two other people talking after me. One of them is a really wise pastor's wife from Chicago. She was waiting backstage, and I I don't know her at all. We were just sort of polite small talk before I went out there. I went out, and I shared. And when I told the story that I always swore I would never tell, and I'm not going to tell it now, but it Mm -hmm. is in the book. It's Mm -hmm. in the very middle of the book. Um. Where it, where it lives safely in context. So that's <laughs> yeah. why I'm not going to share yeah. it now. Yeah. Um, but I told the story. It's like you could hear a 
pin drop in that auditorium. Like it was so quiet. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to share like we aren't our worst days Mm -hmm. as parents. Like if we believe in God, he actually is making all things new. And what I didn't realize at the time is I essentially gave the heart of the message that would become this book five years later. Mm -hmm. Like the Lord invited me to trust him enough in the small way to tell the story. And then you know what he did? He's so gracious. He provided comfort that when I walked off that stage, my whole body felt like it was drained of adrenaline. And I walked backstage and immediately that pastor's wife, who I don't know, literally grabbed me Mm -hmm. in this giant bear (laughs) hug. I haven't thought about this in a while. She just started praying over me. Wow. And she's like, Lord, I just pray for Lisa Joe. I pray she won't feel shamed. I pray the enemy won't come in, that he won't speak anything over her other than that she is beloved, that she's mm-hmm. courageous. Like it was like the Holy Spirit met me in mm-hmm. that moment. And so I offer all that to say. <laughs> I don't know if we can say we would want to walk into those kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. As I've said in other ways, I never, I'm not a believer anymore in saying it was worth it, but I will say it's not wasted. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I understand God working. Like, when we are willing to partner with him and to really trust him, that he's not asking us to do something that will cause worse pain or Mm -hmm. bleeding. Mm -hmm. He's actually coming in to, like, reset a limb, to fix Mm -hmm. something that didn't heal properly. If we trust him, he is trustworthy. And he will constantly provide like the right support for you Mm -hmm. in that process Mm -hmm. is really the best I can offer. And having walked the whole long way, I genuinely believe if I had chosen not to, if I didn't want to, if Mm -hmm. I'd said, no, I'm not telling that story. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been sinning. I don't think God would have been disappointed in me. I I genuinely believe Jesus would have been like, okay, fine. Let's find a different way forward. Um, But in trusting him and in the last five years, now I can pick up Wizard of Earthsea and read that, that passage and, and testify, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, like I did it mm-hmm. too. And it was hard and it was terrifying. And just like with Ged, the Lord provided mentors and great friends and wisdom and rest stops and respite, which this was the longest answer ever to simply say, if he invites you, you can trust him. Mm-hmm. You can trust him mm-hmm. if you say no. And you can trust him if you say yes, because I think you radically underestimate how much he loves you and how much he mm-hmm. wants you heal and whole and um, mm-hmm. and how he will. He will defeat that shadow for you. Mm-hmm. He has like an entire universe of mm-hmm. ways to do it. Yeah. And and it. And at the end of the at the end of the adventure, <laughs> it is an amazing moment to recognize in looking back mm-hmm. all the ways he walked with you. But often at the beginning, you you genuinely cannot know. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean this literally, like your soul cannot handle knowing mm-hmm. <laughs> what you are walking into when you take those first steps. And, and that is the biggest grace. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I feel like as well, something that struck me in the passage you read from um, Earthsea that seems so profound Um is that idea of the shadow, like needing to be faced in part because it was driving him and because it was driving him toward further evil. <laughs> yes, so again, yeah. I think it's best to like land where you've landed us here on the sense of like, hey, God will get it done. Like he's so his love is so gentle and it's not up to us and we will not disappoint him. And, you know, it's it, you know, it's OK if it just feels like, no, I've got something to face and I cannot face it. Like 
that is okay. Mm. Um, at the same time, like when and if in life we feel we feel um, trapped or mm. Um, mm. yeah, I think trapped, chained, you know, yeah. held back to realize that what is is being offered in healing is freedom. Um, and, and freedom to like live a good way, a different way, a new way, freedom to not repeat, you know, um, Mm. um, hurts that have been, you know, ways that we've been hurt. I don't know, just that idea of freedom. I feel like that's something as a parent too. I'm always wanting to like, if, you know how we have our our sort of pet sermons, like things we just really hope one day our kids will get. (laughs) But I also have this sense of like, they, they, they don't get it yet. And I don't know if they ever will, but because I know like how it must sound to them, because I know how it sounded to me, like that word freedom. I've heard it my whole life as a Christian, like freedom in Christ. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is just a cliche I've heard every which way. And I feel like it's only now in my late forties that I'm like, yes, freedom. Mm. <laughs> because yeah. I, because, you know, you've, you've lived into it a little more and you realize like, oh, I didn't even see all the ways I wasn't free. I didn't even see how habitual thinking or behavior or, yeah. um, you know, the kind of habitual thoughts that pop in that aren't helpful. Like I didn't even realize mm-hmm. that those things, um, you know, were chains or were um, like small, ordinary moments of oppression of really being unfree. It's it's sometimes you have to taste, I think, a little freedom to realize, like, oh wow, <laughs> I don't want to go back. Uh, let's go, let's go further in. You know, higher up, further in. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I admit, Lisa, even having walked this with you, like even hearing you share your stories, I've still feel like if I think about my own life, like that feeling in my gut of like, mm, yeah, there's still a whole lot I don't want to look at <laughs> too closely, you know? <laughs> so man, if that's true. where our listeners are, it's, true. it's okay. Right there with you. Like, man, it just goes right to your like, yeah. your guts, you know, you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's too hard. hard. And I mean, of course there are still, it's not, you know, there are other areas in my life that I still now I'm like, Oh, I'm so free in this one area. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to look anywhere else. Like, yeah. Lord, please bring to my attention no other no, things. No. <laughs> We're good now, God. All good. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Well, yeah. you know, maybe that's where, like, talking about this in in connection with this idea of endings and beginnings is helpful. Because, you know, here we are. You know how you know how we are listeners here at Out of the Ordinary, like we don't really do the traditional New Year stuff. And yet slowly, quietly, gently, you know, by about February or March, <laughs> you know, we're easing yeah. it. We too are easing into this new year. And yeah. uh, and so, yeah, we are thinking about new beginnings and beginnings and um, mm. looking ahead and so on. Um, and that scripture you men- mentioned about, you know, um, our God, our Redeemer, who is making all things new, like just to for us to recognize that promise and how it just touches everything and and trickles into mm. everything, and and that I don't know that for me is is a very encouraging thought, and to know that it isn't up to me that there is this invitation to like co-create and participate that there's always that invitation, um, but God knows how small we are you know and his mm-hmm. love is very tender and um and it's okay if you know we're just not up for it all the time but the invitation is there um yeah anyhow so yeah as i think about um new years and this beginning you know it helps 
I don't know, it helps it as well with just growing older, you know, um, just this sense of like, we're never running out of time in that sense. Like there's always mm. hope or potential for newness and new things, mm-hmm. um, new stories. Um, and I would go so far as to say, actually, the older you get, mm-hmm. that's when the real work begins. Mm-hmm. I think there's mm-hmm. a tendency mm-hmm. to feel like, especially social media gives this picture of like, oh, it's when you're in your 20s, you know, you're living your best life, YOLO and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And you know, you're in your 40s, 50s, you've been married 25 years, it's over for you. But genuinely, I genuinely mm-hmm. have come to believe it is in these older years that you become a weathered warrior for mm-hmm. Christ because you've accumulated so much more pain, like genuinely, mm-hmm. like suffering. Yeah. You've watched other people suffer. Like you are enduring in many places that are hard when yeah. it comes to either child rearing or marriage or singleness mm-hmm. or the work you're doing. Yeah. In so many ways, it's the second half of life that you really are becoming the strongest warrior mm-hmm. who needs to partner with Christ in ways that I, I genuinely, as a 20 year old, I didn't even realize. Right. Like, I didn't even know, mm-hmm. you know, but I see the battlefield that I'm on now mm-hmm. in a very different way. And I sense myself becoming stronger in understanding yeah. like what's at stake and what does wholeness look like. Mm-hmm. And so, I just encourage you listeners that it is it is the deeper we get into life that the more we battle the stronger we become the more aware we are of how Christ is inviting us to partner with him and what mm-hmm. he's doing mm-hmm. and in that way it's it is an exciting season to recognize oh goodness you know it's not like everything slows down and I tap out now you know, mm-hmm. toward retirement. Mm-hmm. In many ways, it's like, no, no, like you have more and more spiritual responsibility in your life and your generation and your family story. Mm-hmm. All of these places are honestly like being activated and coming alive in ways that my 20-year-old brain wasn't even capable of really understanding. Right. And you know, like, like bless our hearts that is as it should be because wow yes, was i doing yes. a lot in my 20s and 30s there were all those little kids right. and i was getting no sleep and i was going to school Absolutely. and you know, it's like right right like there is so much grace and protection in not needing to do all the work at once yeah um yes. but how god waits for us until we're ready and and i think some of it too especially if it's family things I think there's a grace in just growing up more and more into your own life that you've made. And I think it is possible um, to see things with a more clear-eyed view as an Mm -hmm. older person because because we're less attached and there's some more distance between Mm -hmm. us and our childhoods and our families of origin. I mean, Mm -hmm. without overthinking it, I just think there is some grace in in um in the in the distance you know and in, in, in being older um yes. this might seem like really random but i thought of this book and i just feel like our, our listeners who might have teenagers or kids younger kids need to know about it so i'm just going to insert it into our conversation hope you're Do cool it. with that but i have to look it up because it has a weird title <laughs> i can never remember <laughs> um because it is such a weird title which is why i think so I'm going to tell you the author in a minute, and you're going to every people listening be like, "Oh, why haven't I read it? I I love his books." Um, but then I will tell you the title and be like, "Oh, because that sounds weird, and I don't know what it's about." Um, and I think if it had a different title, more people would have heard of it and read it and love it like I do. But 
Anyway, I'm going to say more about the title. But the book is, have I told you about this book yet, Lisa Joe? Um, it's by Eugene Peterson. And oh, it is about okay. parenting teenagers. Did you know really? that Eugene Peterson wrote? I did not know that. Um, I'm just going to say the best book ever written about parenting teenagers. What? I'm going to order it right now. Maybe not for the reasons you think, but I will say more. Um, so, yeah, it is called, though. And so I'll just say the title is a quotation from scripture that he begins the book with, but it just makes for an odd title. So the title is Like Do Your Youth. Huh. I know. I've like never do heard of it. I actually youth. recognize the quotation. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, you're very yeah, biblically. Well, I feel like good. because do and youth is a lot used in the Proverbs. Is that where it's from? Uh, I can't even remember. Yeah. Look it up for us. So the subtitle is this, though. Growing up with your teenager. So here what? is the. How have I not heard of this book? I yeah, must. So have my um, my priest at church told me about it. And um, and if it hadn't been him telling about it, and I really trust his taste in books. And if it hadn't been Eugene Peterson, I would have never picked it up because it's a parenting book and I do not read parenting books. Me either. And, <laughs> and, um, and here's why, because they, they tell you that they're going to like tell you how to do this or solve your problems or give you these results. And they, can't, they, they don't. They can't. So I just feel like they're all a waste of time. But Eugene Peterson, wise man that he was, um, didn't write that kind of book. And... Yeah, I, I, it is exactly the book I have needed at this point in my life when I am old and tired and have all these teenagers in my house. Um, because here is his point. He says, teenage. so I thought, opening the book, I thought maybe this book will help me do better, get these kids better, do better, right? Like maybe he will help me be a better parent. Maybe he will help me whip my teenagers into shape. But no, his premise is that teenagers come into our lives in middle age when we are tired and when we are worn out for a reason. Because if we enter into the experience of parenting them with wisdom, we will be changed. We will be made new. And I'll be honest, that is it's on the one hand, not something I want to hear. And on the other hand, it is exactly what I want to hear because I am tired, <laughs> because I'm feel, I often feel a bit hopeless about my parenting or these teenagers. This idea that, that if I show up for this experience, that is hard. Um, that is in some sense about enduring <laughs> and, and feeling my own lack of control and my own lack of wisdom, et cetera, that, that there might be newness for me precisely at a time of life where I feel worn down, where I don't feel new, where I feel every bit of my, you know, late, late 40-ish age. Um, so anyway, that is what made me think of it is this idea of, of beginnings when we need them, when we're tired, when it feels like I'm, I'm middle of my life, my kids are practically grown, like what hope is there? Anyhow, um, I, I just think, yeah, if you've got young kids, write the name down, tuck it away, read it before they become teenagers. I wish I had, because um, now I'm, you know, I'm already kind of partway through. And, you know, it's like all books, not all of it is going to apply. Um, but there's just been enough for me nuggets in there of like, oh, thank you, <laughs> Pastor Peterson. <laughs> I like where this conversation ended. It's a much more hopeful note. <laughs> oh, do you think so? I hope so. I don't know if it is. 
I just ordered the book myself because, uh, wow, I just read the table of contents and was like, must have this in my life, especially since my oldest is now about to leave me the yeah. exact month I turn 50. Yeah. So much to process still this year. So listeners, thanks for being on this journey with mm-hmm. us this spring that has, I don't know, where so we kind of delve into some of, I don't know if darker is the right word. I, I like the word shadow, you yeah. know, that everything does cast a shadow mm-hmm. and understanding shadows is how we understand ourselves too. So mm-hmm. they're not necessarily a bad thing, but they are maybe the deeper work. And and it is part of how how we make ordinary days count, right? Yeah. That in between mm-hmm. laundry and baths, somehow we're also weaving in mm-hmm. <laughs> the deeper stuff that we're trying to make sense of. And it is strange because it's not like you sit down and are like, I need to have an epiphany of deep things now. <laughs> no, like they sneak attack you in the bathtub. So <laughs> there you go. Oh, I love it. Uh, thank you, listeners. We'll be back next week to unpack more. I don't know. Now it's turning into the deep things with Lisa, Joe, and Christy podcast. <laughs> Deep thoughts. <laughs>